Welcome to Activating the Creative in You, where we gather with everyday people who are making a difference. Today's video podcast will be dealing with the topic of the new normal regarding COVID-19 Phase 4. However, before we discuss the details of what this podcast will be, I would like to share with you an experience that we had recently. And this kind of brought to the forefront the seriousness of what phase four is all about. We decided to take a little vacation because we are usually travelers and we like to get away, but because of the regulations regarding COVID phase four and trying to keep safe and protected from from getting sick with this virus, and we decided to go to a location that was nearby. So we just took a trip into the city and it was not what we expected. Wow, yes, it was a belated um, anniversary. And so we had planned to spend the time downtown in Chicago. And uh, it really was not what was expected, as Nancy said, because it was pretty empty. Um, normally, when we go to a hotel downtown, there's usually a lot of activity, a lot of people in the lobby, just a, a, a lot going on. And when we walked in, it was literally a ghost town. Um, from the minute that we entered the hotel, uh, we were met at the door by a hotel employee who was asking us to show identification and show proof that we were registered to be at the hotel that day. And it was just a totally different experience than what we were uh, used to. Yes, and it really felt eerie because as we drove th through the city to get to the location, the streets were empty. And then later on, when we went out for dinner, the restaurants were also half empty. And we were hoping to be around people because one of the the parts of being in the middle of phase four is the whole idea of you can't be around others. So we been trying to follow those regulations, but it gets lonely when you're locked up in the house half the time. Right. I just, I just what came to mind when we were driving through and the streets were empty was the Will Smith movie, I Am Legend. It literally felt like we were driving through the movie set. There was actually nobody, nothing going on on the streets. And for a big city like Chicago, that's, you know, quite out of the ordinary. And this is why we are going to emphasize something that has come to the forefront regarding being in phase four, which is the idea of how do we stay connected with each other as a body in regards to fellowship, being that we are part of a church body. Before we begin, let's define phase four. Okay, that's a great question. Um, I think when we're talking about phase four, we're really referring to the stay-at-home uh, phases, so or shelter-in phases, where you know some parts of the country call it shelter-in. Um, and so phase one being strict shelter-in, nobody can leave the house. Phase two, of course, was you know everyone that can possibly work from home, they would be working from home. Phase three cautious reopening, gatherings of 10 or less. Now we're into phase four, which is really um, gradually resuming 
activities and you know get gatherings of 50 or less it also might be seen you know indoor venues of up to 25 percent capacity and in some cases outdoor venues up to up to 50 percent capacity now having said that uh there's a lot that goes into it so but i think the biggest question right now that a lot of people have is how long will this phase four last and here's the shocking part um Phase four will continue until a vaccine is developed or until what they call herd immunity occurs. And herd immunity, for those who've heard the term and may not know what they're talking about, is when 50 to 75% of the population gets exposed to the virus. So the medical experts say that this could take anywhere from one to three more years. So, yes, I said that correctly, one to three years. So we may be in phase four for a prolonged period of time. Wow. I thought that this was only going to be a one to three month deal. It seems like we're going to be here for a while. Now, my big concern is, are there any lingering side effects that could be impacting us? as a result of this phase four with COVID-19? Well, uh, definitely, of course, there are. Um, I think we can break it down into three primary areas of focus. I think the first would be the physical because, um, you know, it's really hit us hard from a physical perspective. I mean, our, our exercise and our daily routines have been affected as well as uh, nutrition-wise. I mean, we, we're creatures of habit and in many cases, we had our favorite stores. Some of them have reopened, some of them have not. So uh, there's certain products that maybe, you know, we, we've had to change in our diet because of uh, the changes with the uh, patterns of the COVID pandemic. And also when you think about the, the social aspect, we're talking about the isolation, um, the limited social contacts now where, you know, it's just changed our daily routines. And of course, from the emotional perspective, we're dealing with a lot of, uh, in, in many cases, anxiety and depression and, um, th you know, things of that nature, which are really catching people off guard. That's interesting. However, for the sake of this podcast, we will concentrate on fellowship, which is the social emotional component could you share a little bit more on that? Sure, sure. I think that, you know, as time has rolled on, um, I've heard a lot more complaints from, you know, fellow Christians that nobody's reaching out to them. They feel alone. They feel isolated. They feel not supported by their local churches. And so I think that, um, you know, the most common solution that we've seen is pastors taking their services and basically repeating the Sunday sermon through social media like Facebook. How has this approach not been the best solution for what they're going through right now in regards to social emotional well, concerns? Well, I, I think that the biggest problem there is that it results in one-way communication. So it's like, you know, in the big church, you're basically sitting there and you're hearing somebody uh, talk to you. Mm -hmm. 
And um, that's what we're seeing through social media. It's a repetition of that. Well, according to the stats that are bringing up attention to the the rates of anxiety and depression going up higher during this time, it seems like a lot of people are in crisis. Right, right. So that's the issue. That unfortunately, you know, many people are in crisis. They're suffering from anxiety. They're, they may be suffering from depression. Um, and in some cases, some are mourning the loss of loved ones from uh, COVID-19. So, you know, that adds extra strain on the, on the church body. So, and I think that people in general, they want to be heard during this time. They want to be reassured that things are going to be okay. And so, uh, a one-way message is not meeting that need for a lot of the uh, people. However, pre-pandemic stage was a setup that people were okay with uh, being part of the events, being part of the group. And it right. kind of reminded me of kind of like what Facebook does. It's a parasocial. You're in the group, but you really are not connected at a a deeper level right you feel part of uh, a group but at the same time you don't really need the group um at a deep level it's kind of like yeah yeah you know it's my friend it's my my group and and yet you can just go on with your life you go on with your work you go on with your kids or whatever's going on in your immediate social circle but um that's okay because really life is going fine and you don't really need that personal connection So everybody now is very um, aware of Zoom. They know what Zoom is. I mean, the whole world is now Zooming. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's great that you bring up Zoom because Zoom has the potential for, um, in some cases, Mm two-way communication. And I think um, it's a great tool. But I really believe that it's being underutilized. I think that there's more potential with the tool. And in some cases, there, I mean, there are people who have figured out how to use it a little bit more effectively. And, and, and I'll go back to, uh, for example, a small group that you run that you've been doing probably for the past three years or so. And you've been using Zoom and trying to make it more of a two-way conversation. So tell us a little bit about how you've used the tool in the past. Well, I actually started working with the Zoom platform three years ago. And at that time, it came out of the idea that I really got tired of just being a number in a big group. I wanted more meaningful connections, more accountability, a sense of belonging. And I just wasn't finding that within the context of my immediate circle. And I felt like maybe with the Zoom platform, I could create this sense of cohesiveness for myself right. and also connectivity at a more personal level. And it was not just me uh, sharing one way. It became a platform where those that were part of it could share their hearts. And we also prayed and also went over some teachings to grow in our knowledge of, of the word. And... Before the pandemic, we also were also meeting in person at um, 
at events. Oh, that's interesting. So, so what you're saying is you combined Zoom with some personal touch so that there was a little bit of both going on. Yes, and it, it actually was has been working well, and I will be very sincere that had not had I not had that group before this pandemic, I would probably have been very uh, negatively impacted because my connections with the local body was still at a place where it was still parasocial because it takes time to to build connections with people at a deeper level. You have to spend time with them. And I utilized the platform, but I also made time to talk to people outside of the group setting. So it was not only right. with the group, but also connecting with them sometimes in person and just phone call, texting and Zooming one-to-one. So to me, Zoom was not uh, one way. It was always the idea of being two-way. So. I was hoping that that would be more of the approach that could be utilized during this season, but I haven't really seen a lot of that happening. I think a lot of people were not comfortable. It takes a while for people to get used to being on a virtual platform and being transparent and authentic within the idea of the camera and being in that particular setting. Right, right. And I think there's also a learning curve because when you think about it, a lot of churches have been thrust into this situation and they really, many of them didn't have a background in social media. So um, they were not that prepared for jumping in and using a tool to its full capacity, like a tool like Zoom. So even when they are using Zoom, what I've noticed is that many of them are just still doing the one-way communication where they're bringing a sermon and still just throwing it at the people just as if they were you know, repeating what they would do on Sundays. But again, the COVID-19 phase four um, situation has changed. Socially, it has changed. And of course, there's more people in need. And so um, we have to do a better job of figuring out that two-way interaction. Yeah. And that means that there's a breakdown of the old system in right. regards to just talking to large audiences. I think we're in a situation where what we are screaming for is the one-to-one -one connectivity. And I do believe that with that is great opportunities for discipleship. Excellent, excellent. I'm glad you brought up discipleship because that's something that um, I've been hearing, like, for example, when I listen to Moody Radio and some of the other Christian uh, programming that's going on, they're, they're talking a lot about, well, there's a lack of teaching going on in the churches and it's becoming very apparent. Um, and, and to me, at a personal level, as I, as I process this, I don't think teaching is the real issue here. So, George, what does discipleship look like? Okay, so when we're talking about discipleship, um, of course, we have to go back to Matthew chapter 28, where Jesus said, go forth and make disciples. Um, so what he was talking about was not just go and teach people lessons. He was talking about help them put Christianity into practice. And it's living the lessons that he taught. So what does discipleship look like? Well, teaching is a part of it, but it's not really the whole whole idea. It's more, equipping may actually be a better word for it. Um, it's about 
learning something and putting it into action. So, for example, in James chapter 1, verse 22, um, he talks about being a hearer and a doer of the word. And that's what we're talking about with discipleship. Um, and then there's fellowship, which is another key component with discipleship. It's spending time with people. It's uh, the word, the Greek word koinonia is what comes to mind. It's sharing life with others. And I don't want you to confuse this with sharing time with others. Because it's not just about being with people. It's about taking the time to, to, to listen to them. It's about taking time to, to, to hear what's going on in their lives and actually praying into those things. It's about um, even following up maybe a week or two later and saying, hey, how are things going? It's about taking the opportunity to, to share life and to help them as they process the Christian life. And I think if each of us does that, then we're truly discipling each other. So along that note, George, what are the key points that you would like the audience to take away with them? Well, I think that um, if, if I were to have two or three things that, as takeaways, I think number one would be dealing uh, with the isolation. Uh, don't be afraid to reach out to others. I think it's, it's very important to not just wait. I think we have to stretch ourselves from that perspective. Uh, number two, uh, regarding the lack of teaching, or in this case, more of discipleship, I think, first of all, at a personal level, it starts with us. We have to um, uh, strengthen our day-to-day -day walk with the Lord, our prayer, um, our uh, reading of scriptures. So um, we have to continue to grow and to be prepared for the opportunities as they come. And I think the third thing would be um, with pastoral care. I know there's still opportunities for the churches to learn from everything that's that's really going on with, with the COVID phase four and, and hopefully phase five in the upcoming future. Um, but I think that as believers, we have to see, you know, if we truly feel we're mature believers, we have to be part of the solution. So we have to become disciplers. We have to become the people who reach out to the people around us and help them uh, walk out their faith. And I think that's the way that we build the church. And that's the way that we build each other. Thank you, George, for sharing such great information regarding how we can better navigate the new normal regarding COVID-19 phase four. Well, I'm glad to be a part of it. And I hope that this was beneficial to our audience. Once again, thank you for joining us for Coffee Chats. We hope you could join us again soon.